and welcome to The Group Message. I'm Michael Padlock, and you're listening to Episode 3 of The Group Message. We're talking sports just the way you want it, just like in The Group Message with your buddies. Uh, We have coverage for you today that's going to be looking back at last week. We're going to look ahead to the week ahead. going to get into some topics and and put some people on blast that need to be put on blast. And the man that we always need to do that is the man that joins me every week, and that's Dwayne Jones. DJ, how are you today, man? Good, man. Good. You know, I know... I know last week's slate of games wasn't the uh, didn't look like the prettiest, but man, we sure do have a lot to talk about. Whenever you start breaking down these teams, these performances, and every week, Mike, we start to figure out who the true contenders are. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to the show. For those of you you guys that are joining us for the first time, uh, the group message is brought to you weekly, and we'll do a recap of the week prior and dive into the games that are coming up this weekend. And if you want to be a part of the show, we definitely encourage you to do that. You can find us on Twitter by searching at DJ and Mike on Twitter, and the group message will pop up. That's at DJ and Mike on Twitter. You can also email us, and we thank those of you that have been emailing us and reaching out on Twitter. You can email us at thegroupmessageguys at gmail.com. And uh, we're now able to be found on Apple Podcasts and iTunes Studio. And you can just search the Group Message Sports Podcast to find the podcast on those different forms as well as SoundCloud. So definitely jump on board, tell your friends, tell your group message, and uh, interact with us because we want to make this show about you guys and uh, talk about the things you want to talk about. So let's get things started with a, uh, a segment we like to uh, we like to call a letter from DJ. DJ. This week's letter goes out to none other than the Nebraska. Cornhuskers. So, dear Nebraska Cornhuskers, I'm sure in the offseason, just like um, I heard throughout most of the broadcast, you were the hot new pick because of your coach, Scott Frost, and he was coming back home and he was going to revitalize your program. Eh, that couldn't be any further from the truth. You go to Colorado, you lose to Colorado, you come home at night to Ohio State and you absolutely get blown out of your own stadium. All I heard is, oh, Nebraska's back. Nebraska's back. I mean, for God's sake, you were ranked in the top you know, 25 to begin the year. I heard some people saying you could, could contend in the Big Ten. Are you joking me? If you would have told Ohio State they could have – if they would have beaten Nebraska 80 to nothing, they could have automatically gotten to the playoff. Nebraska, you would have gotten beat 80 to nothing. Scott Frost, let me tell you, I like you. What you did at Central Florida was great. However, I think you understand that going back home to Nebraska is going to be extremely challenging. How are you going to get the recruits to go to the University of Nebraska? That's what I have to ask you, Mike. I mean, when you're at Central Florida, you can go down, you know, five miles to the nearest high school and you're going to find guys that run 4-3-4-4. Let's face it, in the Central Florida you have a, a hotbed of athletes. Nebraska, not so much. So, Nebraska, I'm here to tell you that you are years, not a one game, not two seasons, years away from competing for any Big Ten titles. And don't get mad at me. Look no further than the product you're putting on the field. So, Mike, it just goes along with what we've been saying these rest of these conferences just need to step it up, man. I think you're right about Nebraska. I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, Scott Frost isn't going to work out up there, but it's a different brand of football in that part of the country. It just is. I mean, you said it perfectly. You've got access to a lot of athletes. I mean, you can throw a penny in the air and hit a hit a four four guy in Central Florida, but in Nebraska, it's just a different a different type of athlete. You got a lot better uh, O line recruits coming from Nebraska than you do skill players. I mean, it just is what it is, and so it's going to be interesting to see how Scott Frost navigates this because right now the fan base. I, I did some checking on the message boards, and for those that are just joining us, we do like to dive into the message boards. So feel free to reach out to us with any good message board posts too that you're finding, and, and uh, screenshot them, shoot, shoot them to us on Twitter at DJ and Mike. But I was looking on the message boards, and I, honestly, I expected to see a lot more melting during that game, DJ, but. Believe it or not, the uh, the Nebraska fans were actually kind of accepting of it. Um, you know, they're they're frustrated, but they they're kind of penciling in as growing pains, which may or may not be the case. I think that there was a lot built into this season. They were way overranked to start the year, 
and now we're seeing them kind of be who they who they really are this year and not who they were kind of overhyped to be. And I mean, what do you think? Do you think that this is a sign that it may not work out for Frost or do you think he's going to have to change what he does? Is he going to have to go back to the triple option? I mean, what's, what's he going to do or can he be successful with the UCF style of play uh, at Nebraska? Mike, I mean, I think the thing they have to do is follow the blueprint of Wisconsin. I'm sorry. I just, until you prove me wrong, Nebraska, I do not see you getting the athletes the big-time athletes in this day and age where the spread, dual-threat quarterbacks, putting up 40, uh, 50 points a game, running you know 100 plays a game, I don't see that in your future at all. And, and like I said, I think it's fair until you prove me wrong. So if I was Nebraska, I would follow the blueprint of what Wisconsin is, is doing, recruit some big offense alignment, hope to land a number one type back, and – See if you can somehow compete because of right now what you're doing, you're not competing at all. And that that fan base, I mean, it's been years since Nebraska has been, you know, really relevant in terms of the national landscape of college football. But that fan base is only going to be patient for so long. I mean, that's that's going to buy Frost a little bit of time. But ultimately, they are a proud program. They actually believe they're supposed to be doing better than they have been, even though I think I don't think they'll ever be what they were under Tom Osborne. I mean, the landscape has just changed in college football, but uh, he better get it together. That's for sure. So for those of you, uh, we, we we have a lot of listeners that are in SEC country. So hope we didn't just lose half of our audience by diving into the Big Ten that early in the show. But anyway, we're about to jump into some SEC football. And DJ, we talked about last week, the slate was a little bit weak. But we said that probably the biggest game on the schedule going into it on paper was Mississippi State traveling to the Plains, facing on the Gus bus and, and uh, Auburn. You know, Mississippi State's offensive line and running game against Auburn Stout defense. Would it be a tight game? Would it not be? You know, you thought it was going to be a close game. I didn't like the matchup, but I'm a Mississippi State fan, obviously, so I was a little bit overly pessimistic. But, boy, were we both not expecting that. I mean, Mississippi State goes into Auburn, and that game was over in the first five minutes. Yeah, I mean, Mike, they came out and just blew your doors off. From the opening kickoff, turnovers, trying to return kicks. Uh, why your coach is starting a quarterback who's clearly banged up is beyond me because um, I'm sure he didn't get all the snaps, meaning your backup didn't get all the snaps through through practice that week. Um, I know he has a different type of injury, but clearly the kid's banged up. And you're right. Last week I thought that game would be a lot closer. I thought Mississippi State um, would be actually fired up to go play in that type of environment, and I couldn't be more wrong. I know you got a lot to say about Mississippi State, but uh, like I said, Mike, I've been saying it for two weeks. Auburn is starting to scare me more and more. They're starting to get in a groove. Knicks are starting to get in a groove, and they're winning football games. And I know their schedule is an absolute monster coming up the second half of the season, but they're scaring me more and more. Look, we don't have enough time in this show or the next three shows for me to fill in what I want to say about Mississippi State football right now. And there's a lot of guys that are on a lot of message boards and a lot of a lot of listeners out there that are sharing similar opinions. And then there's some that, that believe this is just a bump in the road. So I hope I don't offend those that, that I'm about to kind of kind of let some things Mike, out. Let them have it. I mean, just but, let, let them have it because that was nasty. Bad, bad. Look, we were totally unprepared in that football game. Couldn't agree and more. As, and, and as a Mississippi State fan, lifelong Mississippi State fan, I can accept a loss because – by God, we've seen a lot of them at Mississippi State, okay? Let's not sugarcoat it. I can accept a loss. What I can accept is coming in, being totally unprepared, being totally undisciplined, and going out there and just going through the motions. I mean, for God's sakes, Bully, the mascot, was the only one that was in position to make a tackle <laughs> on the first drive. Mike, what are these What are these rumors I'm hearing about uh, Moorhead and Rutgers? What, what is this I'm hearing? When, when I heard that Rutgers, when they fired uh, Chris Ash, Ash was the last name coach, I, when they fired that guy and I heard that Moorhead was on the short list, I mean, the first thing that came to my mind and probably about 80% of the fan base is, is there anything we can do to help propel this forward and get him hired at Rutgers? Right. I mean, what, do, what do we need to do? Because, right. DJ, look, I'm one of those people that I look at things with my eyes, not by a scoreboard. What I see on the field is what I judge a team by. And I can look 
at the product on the field at Mississippi State, and I wouldn't have cared if the final score of that game ended up being 13-10 to 10 because Auburn tripped over themselves every time they got in the red zone Saturday night. You could tell Mississippi State was unprepared. We have, I mean, hey, as an LSU fan, DJ, what is the one thing, even though y'all have always pounded Mississippi State for the, for the better part of history, what is the one thing that every player that every play, ever played for LSU will say about Mississippi State when it came to that game? Yeah, I mean, they turn up, and that's why I thought last week it was going to be close because that's a typical Mississippi State dig their feet in. Well, at least that's that's what it, that's it's, what it's felt like for me for for LSU for the last few years. Y'all dig your feet in, your hard nose. You have to fight for every inch, fight for every first down, and God, physical, that guy. Phys, the physical is what Mississippi State's always been, whether it be in, on offense running the ball or whether it's on defense, and they're going to make you earn every inch on defense, even in the games that they get blown out in because they just, at the end, are just outmanned. The one thing that I hear the guys like Marcus Spears and Booger McFarland and people like that that have played in the SEC, they'll always say, we always hated the Mississippi State week, not because we thought we would lose necessarily every time, because they weren't, but because they knew they were going to have to hit the ice bath pretty hard afterwards because they were at least going to be in for a scrap. And that's gone, DJ. It's gone. And let me tell you, in in a year and a half, Joe Moorhead has taken away all physicality, all identity. And Bob Shoup, I was worried about it last year. He was a product last year of a tremendous group of talent on defense. Jeffrey Simmons, John Abram, uh, Montez Sweat. Those guys are all all in the NFL. that's, That's all you need to know. What did those coaches turn around and do with it? Do you build on that type of of that type of players? You seem like that's that's the momentum you need to really kickstart something special, right? When you're talking about those those first round picks, those guys that are now in the NFL, I mean, you think you would think that that would kickstart your program, and it did the complete opposite. It depleted you, and I'm I couldn't have been more bored to be honest, having to flip back and forth between Mississippi State and Auburn and Ohio State and Nebraska. Two terrible games. And uh let's let's And that was prime hope. time, right? Right. And by the way, yeah. the rest of the country, you're welcome. And what I mean by you're welcome is the first week of the season, the best game of the week was what, Mike? Auburn, Oregon. The second week was was uh LSU Texas. Another out of conference big time game and a big time win for the SEC. The third week we took a break. The uh, last week was Georgia versus Notre Dame. Can any other conference step up and schedule a big time out of conference game so you can showcase your players, your talent, and your conference? Because if the SEC doesn't do it, who else is going to do it, Mike? I mean, you're talking about three out of four weeks here. The SEC has scheduled out of conference opponents, big time matchups, won all three, and were great games. Where are you, ACC? Huh? Where are you? Where are you, Big 12? Where are you? Step it up. It's just terrible. Terrible primetime slate. And, you know, going back to that state game, when you start the game off on the road with a delay of game before the first snap of the football, there's nothing else to say except unprepared. That is all coaching. How do you not have a play scripted? Your first, most teams have their first couple of drives scripted. And we come out and get a delay of game on the first play and then get a delay of game again on the third play. And then you give up an immediate touchdown untouched in the end zone. You're down 7-0. You're down 21-0 before you can blink. Tommy Stevens is made out of pure glass. I mean, the guy is just – I'm sorry, he's done. Garrett Schrader came in, and even though State ended up getting absolutely blown out, he actually looked pretty good. The freshman looks like he's going to be – you know, could be pretty good. The problem is – you know, is he going to have to beat teams 85 to 81 because the defense can't stop anybody? Yeah, Mike. But, I, but, but Joe Moorhead, I mean, that, look. Mike, you have to bring somebody in that understands SEC football. That's what you have to do, man. Uh, you know, he's, he's officially, and I think we can both agree with this. Now, he may be guaranteed another year because this is John Cohen's guy. He, he hired him. He's probably going to give him time to get some more players in. But I don't know if he wants time, Mike. I don't know if he, he wants time. I don't either. He, he's officially on the hot seat. Um, and that, you know, that brings me to a, a couple of interesting message board posts 
from uh, we found on one of the Mississippi State message boards, um, EliteDogs.com, a guy by the name of Dan the Man 4248, which he's probably definitely wishing Mullen was back right now with that name. He said, Joe needs to not walk around Startville anymore because he clearly can't handle any kind of hostile environment, and Startville is about to turn into one for him. It's true. Mike, it's true. I mean, where I thought Mississippi State was, I mean, how many years ago were you just, it seems like, what, two or three years ago, maybe four years ago, y'all were ranked number one in the country? And now all of a sudden you're losing to Kansas State, getting the, your your doors blown off on the road versus Auburn? Whoa. I mean, it has gone from from great to nightmarish in a span of about four seasons. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you. And, and not only that, a, another guy on the message board actually said um, his name is uh, Course Super. Mississippi State hadn't given up 42 points in the first half since 1971. 1971. DJ, I mean, look, I'm a proud Mississippi State fan, but do you know how many bad teams we've had since 1971? It's a bunch, a bunch of bad football has been played in Starville since 1971. And Joe Moorhead is setting records five years after we're number one in the college football playoff for five weeks. And he's setting records that we haven't met in, you know, 40, 50 years in terms of suck. And that's unacceptable. I mean, this team, what Dan Mullen built can be torn down quickly and it's on a spiral right now. And so uh, it's, I mean, not to harp too much. Listen, it it goes back to what we always, it goes back to what we talk about. You have this day and age, you have to have a guy on the sideline with the presence, a guy that your players believe in. Moorhead's not that guy. It doesn't take someone that has to understand football backwards and forwards, upside down. Just look at the guy on the sideline. Look at the way his team responds. He's not the guy. Time to cut bait. You know, not lost in this. I know we've got a lot of Auburn Tiger listeners out there. And look, I'm not trying to downplay you guys at all because I can tip my cap as a Mississippi State fan and say, you know, we we definitely made you look better than probably 56 to 23 should have looked. But at the same time, that defense, man, they pinned their ears back and they said, all right, we're coming. Kylan Hill's not beating us. And these quarterbacks are going to have to make throws and they're going to have to make throws under pressure. And Auburn's defense is legit, DJ. And Mike, you know, I've Nick's, said it. Even though, even though the defense was terrible for State, Nick's looks more and more comfortable like you told us last week. He's, tar- he's starting to get more and more comfortable every week. Mike, listen, they scare me. They're go- it's, it's going to be hard for me to believe that they're not going to be hanging around every single football game they're in. Now, listen, I, I know they got to go to Florida – which, you know, I, I think they win that game. They have to play LSU, play Alabama, play Georgia. I mean, they have a brutal schedule. But let me tell you, if their defense stays healthy and they don't have a few major injuries on that side of the ball, they are going to be in every football game. And I have I said it after they beat Texas A&M, and I'm a, I said it last week they scared me, and I'm nervous about the Auburn Tigers, not only about this year, but – I mean, if you get a if you get a true freshman quarterback that he has winning in his blood, and obviously the kid does, and that's what he gets used to, they they could be something to mess with in the SEC West for you know several years. So Auburn, I'm here to tell you, I'm scared of you. I believe in you, and uh, go out and beat Florida this week, and I think you're going to have a lot a lot more people start jumping on the bandwagon. That's a great point about Nick's and the fact that if he can taste that success this year, how it just bodes well for the for the years to come because I don't see Gus doing what what Joe Moorhead's done and taking something that was a good thing. And once those players like Derek Brown and uh, Davidson leave for the NFL after this year, I see them using that as a chance to reload with, with uh, you know, top five recruiting classes at Auburn and just reloading. And uh, it looks like they've got their quarterback for a while. I was really impressed. I mean, Mississippi State was clearly unprepared to walk into that environment. Oh, and it showed, but but Auburn yeah. deserves a lot of credit because they're they're legit. And I, I think uh, we'll get into the bets a little bit later. But I, I think that that line is interesting in the uh, the opening line in the Auburn Florida game. So we'll talk about that as well. Let's take a look at Ole Miss and Alabama. Pretty much what we thought it was going to be. Alabama just dominated the game, but you know Ole Miss managed to run the ball, and so now. As crazy as it sounds, you, you just talked about how far the Mississippi teams have fallen in five years. We were number one and number three, I think, in the in one of the first college football polls or brackets that was released ever. 
And uh, now we're sitting around this week on Mississippi Sports Radio talking about which loss was better. You know, the well, 56-23 loss or the 59-31 loss. And Ole Miss is actually finding positives on their message boards and in their, in their radio callers um, from a 31-point loss. Do you see it? Do you think they found Matt, something to run the ball mind. on Alabama? But Mike, that's, let's just put it all in perspective here, okay? Ole Miss, you got your doors blown off too, and it wasn't pretty. And how you think to even try to turn that game into a positive is, uh, is beyond me. In the first half, the only touchdown you really scored was from a muff punt by Alabama. Other than that, it was lights out. We don't want to get too hurt in the second half, but we're going to let one guy set an Alabama record. And think about all the wide receivers that have been through there, Mike. Think about all those guys, the Julio Joneses of the world, the Calvin Ridleys of the world. Ole Miss, you let one wide receiver have an absolute field day on you. You get your brakes beaten off of you, and you somehow want to talk about a positive? Mike, I don't know. I, you know, I know these fan. I know these. Some of these fan bases are look for any type of uh, of ray of sunshine to come through their door. But um, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I just go quietly into the night and uh, wait till next week. Okay, because that wasn't pretty by no no stretch of the imagination. That being said, Mississippi State and Ole Miss will be probably relying on – I don't think there's any more quarterback controversies at either school, even though they both got blown out. I think you got to go with the freshmen on both sides. I think John Rice Plumley at Ole Miss, and I think Garrett Schrader at Mississippi State, and I think you ride with them and you try to build off of them. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see how you take many positives if you're, either, if you're either school at this point because, you know, even if you take something out of the freshmen and their offense, the defense has such a long way to go. And – uh, man, I tell you what, the SEC West does not cut you any breaks either because now you got Auburn who's looking just absolutely legit. LSU is now scoring points. Alabama is just rolling on offense. I mean, it's just it's a, a brutal, brutal hill to climb. And when you're looking up at scores like 59-31, 56-23, and you're on the bottom end of that score, man, maybe you do take a Rutgers job, huh? <laughs> I mean, Mike, listen, just you're in the recruiting bed in the whole entire country. You know, within a 200 mile, 300 mile radius, you have all the four and five stars you could ever want. It's time for these coaches to start selling their program and taking it to the next level, right? Making too much money to be able to say, you know, I need three or four years. You're not going to get three or four years anymore. It's not the way it used to be. And you're not going to get that. The fan bases are too impatient. The money's too big. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with those two programs. And, but definitely Auburn and Alabama are looking like uh, two of the contenders for sure. Um, Mike, you know, who's looking like a, you know who's looking like a pretender? Who's that? Uh, we hit on them last week, Texas A&M. A&M. I mean, goes on, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch hardly any of that game. You watched a lot of it, I think. But – only winning by four at Arkansas? I mean, this is the same place that San Jose won. Arkansas was driving to win the football game versus Texas A&M. Kellen Mond throwing bonehead interceptions again. I mean, has there been a quarterback so far this year that had more hype and promise that has underperformed more than Kellen Mond? Has there been one? Who who is it? Who – after coming off of scoring 70 points versus LSU and all the hype with Jimbo Fisher has another offseason with this guy, um, he's going to turn the page. Clemson missed wide open people. Uh, Auburn, terrible. Uh, Arkansas, terrible. Jimbo's got his hands full down there, man. I'm going to tell you, all the resources in the world. Texas A&M is cutting fat checks to that guy every week, and uh, they are just not seeing the results they thought they were going to have. Just not. I was definitely expecting more at A&M this year uh, than what I've seen so far. But Which brings me to a point that I would like to get your thoughts on, DJ. Looking at the SEC, and I guess you could look at the entire SEC, but especially the SEC West, one thing that you've always seen is pretty much top to bottom in the West, um, You know, barring maybe that last place team. Usually the top five, sometimes six in the West, when you put them into bowl games and things of that nature, you know, they're winning against – 
the higher-ranked teams in other conferences. This year, I mean, I don't think we can argue that the bottom half of the SEC West is weaker than it's been in a long time. What do you attribute that to? Is it is it coaching? Is it talent? Is it a lot of youth? Or is this something that we're going to see? Or is maybe maybe some of these guys are, if they're not going to the Alabamas, the talented guys, if they're not going to the Alabamas, Auburns, and LSUs, you know, maybe they're not going to the SEC West. Period. You know, what are your thoughts on that? I'm just curious because I don't know the answer. Yeah. But, so I mean, listen. Here's the deal. I think, I think the bottom half of the SEC West, um, just more than anything, is just disorganized and cannot keep up with the amount of time and dedication it takes to to be consistently competing on the top level. Uh, I mean, when you look at what LSU is doing this year, finally LSU had enough. They said, okay, we need to go get someone that understands the passing game, and they go and get somebody from, from the New Orleans Saints, right, that has worked with Drew Brees, and look what that's done. Until the rest of these – these teams at the bottom of the SEC West really go out and spend the cash and get these guys. Expect expect to have, you know, six and five, maybe eight and four type seasons, not really competing for much. Enjoy the Peach Bowl. Enjoy the TaxSlayer.com Gator Bowl. Enjoy all those both. This day and age, if you're not dumping resources into your football program, you're you just can't compete, right? You just can't compete. Do you think we're seeing a little bit of um, maybe teams losing their their traditional identity too? I mean, you know, Mississippi, for instance, you've always seen Mississippi State be kind of a ground and pound team. They're going to phys- out physical you. Now they bring in a guy that's finesse. He's a player's coach. Uh, they're, they're undisciplined. They're unprepared. They're not able to run the football like they like they should be able to behind that offensive line. And then you've got Ole Miss, who's traditionally been you know, or at least lately, been able to to air it out, high-flying attack. Now they're going to a ground game with a Rich Rod-style offense. And then you've got you've got Arkansas, who's another one of those I-formation, you know, almost like a Big Ten-style offense that, uh, except for the Petrino years, that's now trying to go to this Chad Morris. I don't even know what you call that offense. I don't, I don't know what I would classify the, the Chad Morris offense. But I just feel like some of, these, some of these teams have been trying so hard to kind of break through that ceiling because Alabama and LSU and Auburn even have been at the top so long of the West that they're just trying to do something different to try to create some, you know, something different. But I think it's backfiring. I really do. And I think what you're getting as a result is you're getting a weaker SEC, which is going to lead to a a less prepared uh, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, whoever wins the West, which could end up leading to an Oklahoma championship this year. I don't know. We'll see. Mike, Oklahoma championship. I teed that one up for you. I don't, teed that one up for you. Don't uh, even get me started. Rumor has it we have an email from an Oklahoma fan. And, Mike, listen, I've been doing this SEC thing for, for many, many years, and I've dealt with many, many of Oklahoma fans. And, unfortunately, I have to serve them reality on a plate, um, and they don't like it. But the facts are the facts. The records are the records. Mike, go ahead and read read the thing. And we appreciate – listen, we appreciate the uh, the email – and we encourage everybody to send us some, but I'm going to have to shoot you straight. I appreciate it, but I'm going to have to shoot you straight. So, Mike, go ahead and re- read what we got this week. Yeah, so we got an email, and, and before I get into this email, I remind everybody the Twitter handle, at DJ and Mike, will get you to the group message Twitter feed, and we encourage you to, to uh, interact with us on Twitter. But also, if you just have a take that you want to get uh, read on the air, maybe something you want to say to DJ or, or myself, then uh, you can email us at thegroupmessageguys at gmail.com. And that's what Ryan from Memphis did. Uh, I'll just read Ryan's email. He said, in response to, to DJ's letter, I guess, he said, Dear DJ, when are you going to get off the Big 12 in Oklahoma? Oklahoma has a winning record against the SEC and almighty Alabama. I just want once for a fan of a team in the SEC to talk about their team without saying, quote, SEC. Everyone hated for A&M to go to the SEC, saying they aren't good enough and can't compete until they got there and within a year started cleaning house, and all of a sudden they welcomed them with open arms. Mike, like I said, let me first say I appreciate the letter and the email, and it's kind of cute how you said, "Dear, dear DJ. Here are the facts, and this is not an opinion. The facts and the results are the results. You can't argue with them. 
right? Right. And listen, what I what I'm going to tell this Oklahoma fan and the rest of the Big Twelve is, I'm going to take the BCS era. Okay, the BCS era is what we're currently in, and it's 20, 21 years old now. The old way of a championship and now the playoff. And let's face it, I'm not cherry picking because I know that's what people like to say. Oh, we have a winning record versus Alabama. I'm not. I'm talking about games that have been in the BCS era. You know, the ones that your recruits are at least alive for and were born. Um, and nothing in the past with Barry Switzer because who even knows who that is anymore when you're talking to these recruits, right? Oklahoma, let me break it down for you. In the BCS era, okay, including the playoff. So, Mike, I'm talking about the big game, the Super Bowl championship game or the playoff game. I'm not talking about some random Fiesta Bowl where you had four people sitting out for the NFL draft, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about the big game, the Super Bowl of college football, right? Oklahoma, you are one in six. Let me tell you that again. You are one and six. Mike, is one and six a good record? Not not in the big game and not compared to the SEC, I'm guessing. But uh, you got any stats on the SEC during that same time frame? Let me continue breaking down Oklahoma. One and six. And of those six losses, okay, you were you got beat by Alabama, you got beat by Georgia, you got beat by Florida, and you got beat by LSU. So Oklahoma, when you're at the at the height of your of your program and what you think is is the the mecca, guess what? There's an SEC team that's going to beat you, okay? Because your only national championship uh, in the last 20 years and two decades since the BCS era came versus Florida State, and you won 13 to two, okay? So if we break it down even further, Mike, the Big 12 in the BCS era in championship and playoff games is two and eight. And I'm even throwing in a trip where Nebraska was still in your conference. So I'm going to give you three teams that have been to the big dance or to the playoff, and you're two and eight. So let's turn it over to the SEC. In the BCS era and in the playoffs, we've had six teams make the playoff or the BCS uh, championship game. You've had Alabama. You've had LSU. You've had Florida, you've had Auburn, you've had Tennessee, and recently Georgia, at least in the playoffs. So, Mike, is what, what would you rather have, six or three? I did not realize the stats were that skewed, I'll be honest with you. I knew they were in favor of the SEC, but, wow, Oklahoma has really done a good job of getting to the big game, but they've done a pretty bad job once they get there, huh? Mike, they haven't, they haven't won a national cha- – the last time they won a national championship – in a big game, Jalen Hurts was one, one year old. One years old. I mean, that is a joke, okay? In the BCS era and in the playoffs, the SEC, and I'm eliminating the two times that the SEC teams had to play each other, okay? Full disclosure. The SEC is 14-4. Oklahoma, the last five times you've played in a big dance game, you lost. And you wonder why, oh, the SEC – it's it Mike, it takes zero intelligence to understand the more difficult games you play prepares you better for games in the playoff and in a championship game. If you play cream powder puffs nine out of twelve weeks and another team is playing six tough games, who's more prepared for a championship game? So that's why, people, that's why we talk about the SEC as a conference. Because we realize that one. The better your conference is, the more prepared your team is if you can make it through the gauntlet. And two, it look at where all the um, the five and the four and four stars go, right? Which conference has the most NFL players drafted every year? So for all the people who always talk about why do people talk about the SEC, we can have our, our, our own show on that. But Oklahoma, until you have at least a 500 record in big championship games where everything's on the line, stop it. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at the results. Get mad at the other people in your conference for not preparing you for big-time games. I think the facts pretty much sum that up. I would love to hear back from you, Ryan. Give us your rebuttal, and uh, we'll get you on the air again. 
And, Mike, uh, one, one more thing. The last time the Big 12 has won a BCS championship or playoff game was 2005. Am I missing something here? It's been 15 years, and you're, tech, you're talking of taking shots at the SEC, and you're saying, oh, everybody hangs their hat on Alabama. Well, Mike, we've had Alabama win national championships in the BCR. We've had LSU. We've had Florida. We've had Auburn. And we even had Tennessee win it. So, Oklahoma, you have just as many national championships in the last 20 years as Tennessee. I'm, I'm done with Oklahoma, people. And, and truthfully, and truthfully, Georgia's been about as close lately as, uh, as Oklahoma as well. You know, so, uh, yeah, interesting stuff, man. And, man. Please, everybody, you know, jump on board, jump on the email, jump on Twitter. Let's get this is what makes it fun for us. We love to hear other people's uh, opinions on this and we love to hear rebuttals. So uh, reach out to us, the group message guys at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at DJ and Mike and uh, interact with us. So moving along, let's go to uh, a couple other games we wanted to hit on before we before we take a look at uh, the week ahead and get in some other stuff. DJ, what was Mac Brown thinking? Man, you've got the number one team on the ropes, and you and you go for two at home. Ugh. Listen, I, I know from the outside looking in, people were probably like, if they saw that score and they saw Mac Brown go for two, they probably were like, oh yeah, no, I can't blame Mac for going for two. Mike, I watched pretty much every play of that football game, and ninety nine out of a hundred times, I would say, uh, yes, Mac Brown, go for two, get off the field and have a win, and steal a win, right? This was seriously the one time out of 100 that North Carolina was actually outplaying Clemson. And Dabo Sweeney said it after the game. They got outplayed and outcoached. Mac Brown outcoached, and the players of North Carolina from the opening possession when they threw a bomb outplayed Clemson. Mac I know, I know it's easy. I'm a, I'm a, a armchair quarterback or whatever they call it, a Monday morning quarterback. I understand that. But, Mac, that game, you wanted to continue. Clemson had one play in the second half where a linebacker was matched up on a very talented wide receiver, and they went over the top and they, they took the lead. But other than that, you controlled that football game. I truly believe, Mac, if you tie it up, you, click at the, you kick it to Clemson, I think Clemson goes three and out, Mike. I really do. Or I think if you go in overtime, you punch in a touchdown. I don't know if Clemson scores on you again, Mac. I get it. You, you wanted to, you wanted to revive your program, and that would have just brought the house down. But I think that's that one time out of a hundred where you wanted that game to continue. Look on the road. If that game's at Clemson, I have zero issue with that. I think, in fact, I think it is the play. You definitely go for two. But at home in a game that you've actually probably controlled most of the game, I agree with you. you got to extend the game and, and play that one out. But uh, needless to say, Mac Brown, I, I didn't think his return to football was going to be like this. But, man, he's really he's really stepped it up at North Carolina, and he's got them playing some good football. What about Clemson, DJ? Are they, what are they, how are they different from last year? What's, what's their weakness right now? I mean, they, obviously they're still one of the best teams in the country, but they are definitely not what they were last year. Well, listen, I mean, Clemson's defensive line, you know, when you send four or five guys to the NFL draft and you have to replace that type of talent uh, in one year, that's big yeah. time. Right? Joe, Joe, Moore, Joe Moorhead agrees, right? Yeah, exactly. Joe Moorhead agrees. The difference is they have a, a once-in-a-lifetime type of quarterback or once-in-a-decade type of quarterback that can bail them out of a lot of football games. Um, this kid has a big-time arm. He has a big-time presence. He's smart. Uh, beyond his years, and he can make up for a lot, Mike. He can make up for a lot, and they have a big time running back, Etienne. If you miss him, he's going to take it 80 yards on you. He's going to take it 50 yards on you. Uh, and I think, I think if I heard correctly, I think Dabo said they have 80 underclassmen on this team, 80. So over the last two to three years, they've graduated a lot of NFL players. They've graduated a lot of talent, even the Hunter Winthrows of the world, right? Those type of players. So yeah, I mean, I think Clemson's vulnerable this year. I really do. Um, we don't. We won't know that because guess what, Mike? Who do they play? It's a joke. ACC, a joke. Who are they going to play? Virginia Tech, joke. Miami, joke. Virginia, a joke. Who, who are they going to play? I mean, I'm. I'm, I'm thinking Georgia Tech, complete debacle. 
Uh, North Carolina, you escape North Carolina, the vaunted North Carolina Tar Heels. We're not talking about basketball, talking about football. Um, who do they play? Maryland? Maryland, you put up a goose egg? Okay, that, I was just about to say, and then you've got Maryland over here who was scoring 75 a game hey, the first two weeks and Mike, then go goose egg? Mike, you know, you know what, what Maryland is? is? Mar- if they're bipolar, okay? They're the definition of a bipolar football team. So, unfortunately, uh, I guess I guess maybe we'll find out when they play Pitt. I mean, this is a joke. ACC, get it together. What's happened to Florida State's, the Miamis? What has happened to you guys, the Virginia Techs? It's a joke. Absolutely. You know, joke. I was I was I was kind of talking about the the bottom of the SEC being weaker than it normally is, but my goodness, it just still doesn't compare to the to the bottom and even the middle of the Big Twelve and the ACC. Man, they are some, that is some bad bad leagues, top to bottom. I mean the the very top is is good. I mean you've got Clemson and and Oklahoma as bell cows there, but you don't really have much behind them and. We're not even going to talk about the Pac-12 because they don't even have a bell cow up top. They, Mike, they let just, me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. All, if Auburn plays Clemson's schedule, do you think Auburn goes undefeated? 100%, yes. Do you think LSU goes undefeated? 100%. Do you think Alabama goes undefeated? Yes. Do you think Georgia goes undefeated? Yes. Do you think Florida goes undefeated? Close. Uh, they, so, I, I'm not a big believer in Florida, but yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, Mike, you have four to five teams that it's a no-brainer would go undefeated in the ACC. And yet, Clemson just gets to prance on into the playoff because they don't play anyone. And if they play one good team, the next week's a complete joke. Okay? And they, they have been the outlier because they've been able to to win national championships without being super battle tested during the year. But this year is worse than we've seen. So I, I don't expect them to win the national championship this year. I really don't. I, I think that I think you're going to see um, the product of these week schedules play out in the playoffs like you normally do. But it's going to be interesting to see what these, what these teams do. Like if an LSU makes it, if an Alabama makes it, because the one thing we are seeing from the SEC teams is the defense in, in the, in the process of the offense is getting better the defenses are giving up more points, so you could see more shootouts in the in the playoffs, especially. Let, let, let me tell you, that brings me to another point on, on going back to Mr. Oklahoma. Mr. Oklahoma, let me ask you why we want our conference to be the way it is. Let's say hypothetically, LSU beats Florida, beats Auburn, and their one loss is at Alabama. And let's say Oklahoma and Texas split like they did last year in the Big 12. Who's going to make the playoff? A one-loss LSU who's already beat Texas at Texas or a one-loss Big 12 team. Yeah, I mean, how can you put a Big 12 team in there when they would split over an SC, over over LSU who's already beat them? And LSU would have to have had a win at least over, over Auburn. Over Auburn if and not, over if Florida. Not Alabama. Yeah, over Auburn, Florida. and right? uh, So that's why, people. Yeah. That's why. Strength of schedule. Uh, who did you beat? When did you beat them? So, yeah, that's why. They're going to go, oh, um, Oklahoma, you beat Texas once. Who else did you beat? Um, we beat uh, the Citadel, West Virginia, uh, Texas Tech, uh, and three other awful, atrocious teams, TCU and Kansas. And they're going to say, LSU, who would you beat? Oh, we beat Auburn, who beat Oregon. We beat um, Florida, you know, this is why you want your conference to be strong. I don't understand these bozos who don't don't want their conference strong. Well, and you got to look at quality of losses in that too. Because I mean, if you're talking about Texas and Oklahoma splitting, and look at who LSU's one loss would be to, it'd be to probably number one Alabama. So I mean, even then, you've got even if you're looking at losses, you've got the leg up in the SEC. That's why strength of schedule matters. That's why DJ goes off on Tennessee. That's why we go off on Mississippi State. We go off on Ole Miss. We go off on Arkansas because Amen. you got to get it. You got to get it together because not only are you hurting yourself, but if you ever want to try to take the next step and actually get in the playoff based on your strength of schedule, I mean, you're going to need you're going to need a good one. It's a no. And how are you going to get it if you're playing a bunch of cupcakes? It's a no brainer, so, Mike. No brainer. Let's get in. Speaking of the SEC, let's get into the picks this week, Mike. Who? who, who let's run down these games and let's go. Who, who we got? 
So we've got so you you were six and zero last week. I was five and one. Uh, the I took Kentucky, you took South Carolina. That was the difference. We're both twelve and three on the year in our SEC picks. So uh, looking pretty good on that. Unfortunately, our bets took a pretty uh, took a pretty big hit. So you got uh, Utah State coming in to play LSU. Yeah. I think that's a no brainer. We both have them. But the big game of the weekend is going to be Auburn and Florida at Florida. Auburn, you know, definitely looked good last weekend against Mississippi State. Florida has looked good, but they do have the, uh, you know, no more Felipe Franks, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing. Who you got in Auburn, Florida? Mike, I'm going to go – I'm going to go Florida, and I'm going to go because Gus Malzahn's going to find a way to blow it. I'm going Florida there. Wow. I definitely thought you were going Auburn there. I'm going Auburn. Um, you know, I don't feel – Super good about it because I do have a lot of respect for Grantham's defense, especially at home. Should be a good environment, but man, Auburn is riding high right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Auburn to win that game on the road. Um, Troy and Missouri, we know we're both going with Missouri there. Georgia and Tennessee, uh, we need to end the show for good. If anybody picks Tennessee in that one, um, which I'm shocked that the line only started at like. Minus 16. I think it's already climbed to like minus 26 or something like that. But um, And then Vanderbilt at Ole Miss. You, we both going Ole Miss there. Vandy's got a history of, of upsetting Ole Miss here lately. I'm going Vandy. Wow. I'm, Mike, I'm there's going to be Ole 13 Miss. people in the stands. Very true. But that would probably be the case if it was at Vandy too. So maybe the crowd doesn't affect it one way or the other. That's what I, I'm saying. I, I there's going to be no home field advantage in that game is what I'm saying. I just don't think that – I mean, Vandy has just not shown the ability. They didn't do much against Northern Illinois last weekend, so I, I got to go with Ole Miss. So our differences are going to be you taking Florida, I'm taking Auburn. You're taking Vandy, I'm taking Ole Miss. Anchor down. Yeah, before we get into our bets of the week, we do have to do a quick uh, message board meltdown of the week, which uh, is going to be a new segment uh, each and every week. And, of course, uh, if you hadn't heard it enough – this week's comes from Mississippi State, and on their message board, I have to say, out of the Mississippi State boards I searched this weekend, the EliteDogs.com board definitely had some of the more melting items. So we have M. Parker, FD20, saying, I'm not going to say fire, Jomo, but I'm going to say F, Jomo. <laughs> Why not fire him? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's see. We've got Bama uh, Defiant Dog says, Bama is going to put 100 points on us with their punter playing quarterback. Could have. And then, uh, yeah, that's actually probably not far off. And then uh, a couple others that are a little off color that I probably don't need to say on the air. And then Rouge Dog drops a, well, at least Bully, the real dog, got a shot at the running back on that one play. That's right. So, I mean, just just a rough, rough weekend for the dogs, and we definitely want you guys. We might actually have a treat for you guys next week. We're working on possibly getting an interview from uh, from one of the uh, message board creators here or moderators that we're going to try to get on on for you guys. So let's dig into the bets, DJ. Let's try to bounce back. And we cost you guys some money this past weekend and, and ourselves as well. Mike, listen, we those casinos aren't there because it's easy business, okay? That's right. Hey. That's why they call it gambling and not winning, right, DJ? That's it, man. That's All right, it. I'll let you open it up. Who you got? You went one and two last week. Oh, by the I way, uh, I want to send a shot to Wisconsin. You score seven points on offense. Wisconsin, what were you doing? You're at home. Run the ball down Northwestern's throats. Mike, I don't know if you watch the game. Unfortunately, I'm, I can't stop watching football, watch the game. Wisconsin came out, tried to throw the football, tried to make the quarterback into something um, that he's not. Turn around and hand it to Jonathan Taylor. I mean, you got uh, two defensive touchdowns that even uh, afforded you a win there. Um, so, yeah, my game versus – why do these coaches try to reinvent the wheel? I mean, really? Why do they do it? It's terrible. Wisconsin, you lost me money there. Um, the over in the Oklahoma State game, I mean, we had a delay in that game. Just just totally threw off all type of momentum. And it's one of those games, you know, just never got steamed back after the delay. But, Mike, them fighting Willie Taggers saved me this weekend. So, thank you, old Willie. So, this week, Mike, now I bashed the Big 12 a little bit, didn't I? today just i don't say bash mike i just gave him the facts i just gave him the facts that's all i did uh so but with that being said texas i'm taking you minus 11 okay west virginia 
I don't think West Virginia can stop Texas, and I think Texas somehow finds a way to stop West Virginia. I know uh, talking about a stop in the Big 12 is probably blasphemy, but uh, I'm going Texas minus 11. I mentioned you early, earlier uh, bipolar team, Maryland. I think this is the week. You, I just don't think the odds are you get shut out two weeks in a row, so I'm going to take Maryland minus 14, Mike. And staying in the Big 12, all Big 12, this week. Texas Tech versus Oklahoma State over 63 and a half. That's my bets. Showing the Big 12 some love this week. Paying attention to their games. It's going to force me to watch their teams. Texas, Maryland, Oklahoma State over. This week I'm going to look at a couple of ACC games and an SEC game. I like Auburn uh, at Florida. I know, DJ, you said you were, you were taking Florida on that one, but I think Auburn's riding high. The defense travels. Once again, you know how I feel about that. I think that Auburn goes in and covers the three points. Now, some of these lines may have changed since I, since I first looked at them, but I've got Auburn minus three. And uh, next game, I've got North Carolina. North Carolina looked good against Clemson. Hopefully, they're not too deflated after that loss. I think they should be uh, feeling pretty good because they, they played well. They showed they could go toe-to-toe with a good team. And Georgia Tech is not a good team. So, they're playing at Georgia Tech. You're only a 10-point favorite. I don't care if you are having a letdown. Georgia Tech lost to a, a FCS school a couple weeks ago, the Citadel. So you better go in. You better win by more than 10. Actually, I got them at, at uh, minus 8.5. So uh, they're now at minus 10. And then finally, the Duke Blue Devils, the fighting Cutcliffs. These guys never let me down, and so they probably will this week now that I said that. But they, these guys, man, they cover some spreads. And uh, I'm going Duke. They're, a, they're minus 4 at home against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's shown to be pretty tough when they're playing at home, but uh, I don't believe in them on the road. I think they're going to go down and cut Cliff and company are going to take care of them, so I like the minus four a lot in that game. So that's our bets. Let's try to go 6-0 and this week, DJ, and make some folks some money. What do you think? You got it, man. You always have a bounce-back week. Look, you got you to gotta let the bookies feel good about themselves one week. You know what I mean? You got to keep them that's coming right. back. Guys, once again, we appreciate you. This has been uh, episode three of the group message. We appreciate you joining us each and every week. We want your interaction. We want you to. We want to be able to read your comments and uh, and talk about your comments on the air. And we're going to try to do that every week, whether it be finding you out on the message boards, or you guys reaching out to us at DJ and Mike on Twitter, or emailing us at the group message guys at gmail uh, We're here to interact with you and talk about what you want to talk about, just like in the group message with your buddies. DJ, final thoughts on the week past and the week upcoming. Yeah, it was a slow week last week, Mike. We could have had a big upset with North Carolina. Um, obviously, the primetime matchup this week, Florida hosting Auburn. Can't wait to see that one. And uh, look, Mike, uh, rumor has it the weather's going to start turning cold coming up next week. It's that time of year, man. It's that time of year. I can't wait. Can't wait to watch games this week and look forward to having some interaction this week. And uh, remember, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. I just tell you what you need to be told guys we hope you enjoy the rest of your week we appreciate you as always uh making us a part of your group message and we hope that you will join us each and every week for dj i'm michael tadlock and we will see you next week